All right, team. First of all, thank you. Third time's a charm. Yes, Sorry, it makes team. Well, what made you tackle the uh, the team division, and and why? Uh, Steph, go ahead and start it off. Start off the story. The story. All right. So my name is Stephanie Price, and I uh, like to start by saying I'm a first and foremost. Well, I'm a, mo- I'm a woman, but first and foremost, a mom of a CrossFit teenager. So. My son, Azariah, was a 2019 CrossFit Games teen. He was 15 years old, finished 10th that year. And uh, when he decided to go to the CrossFit Games, I just, I had a big learning curve. I had to kind of figure out what a, what a kids need to do. I didn't even know that was a thing, you know? So what all do they need? Coaching and nutrition and all this stuff. So I did a lot of research and I essentially was his agent for about two and a half, three years. And uh, really the parents are, I mean, we, we work as their agents, right? Cause we make all the travel plans and we finance it all and all of that. So I had a, a couple years of experience under my belt when we came to the pit uh, to come under uh, Brock and Autumn's coaching at Triple River CrossFit. And I had approached Brock and I said, you know, the CrossFit teams just don't have a lot out there you know, for them as far as training camps or, you know, just a lot of resources. And there, there really is an untouched, untouched demographic, in my opinion, at that point. So that was about 2019. And uh, so we had already talked about maybe having a camp or something. And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit uh, here in the United States, and I'm sure, you know, everywhere else across the world, we, the CrossFit Games were canceled for the age groups. And that was about April of 2000. 20. And I texted Brock and, or he texted me, or I don't remember how it worked, but I said something like, you know, we could do something because one of the things we have here at the Pit Fitness Ranch in uh, Southwest Michigan, which is right in the heart of the Midwest, just FYI, Alex, is we have space, outdoor space. (laughs) So it was like, we can do something for these kids. And so we just started putting our heads together, asking other people, would you come to the pit for a competition if we can pull it off? And people were like, yeah, if we can. So we just started resourcing and, and asking people what we could do. And uh, at the end of the day, we ended up having 46 athletes here um, in 2020. And we've just kind of gone from there. And it was really just seeing a niche, seeing a need knowing what the need was and knowing that we could meet it. And uh, Brock obviously has Brock and Autumn have a lot more background with, with teenagers in general, as far as coaching goes. Uh, So when we put our respective experiences together, we were able to, uh, to tackle this demographic. It's definitely a a demographic that is um, underserved, right? And uh, usually think about there's a lot for kids and then they reach like 12, uh, 10, 11, 12. And then they just kind of like, all right, see you later. They get to like high school. Uh, you guys have, um, what is it called? Middle school? You have middle school, right? Intermediates and stuff. Yeah, we don't have that back home. You just kind of get thrown into thrown into high school. And it's maybe one or two years into high school. And then people stop doing sports. And then that's it. And it's a huge just drop off from about... 12, 13, maybe 14 for, for ladies if they're lucky, and then like 16 for blokes, and then that's it. 
it goes straight down and there's no pathways, right? It's like, if you're not going to play pro ball, you're kind of buggered, get out of my sight. You know, you're not going to make us any uh, publicity or any money. So I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's something that's necessary. You know, there's, there's something else out there for, for kids who want to move around, whether you want to do it competitively or whether you just like want to move around and don't want to play a traditional spot. You know, you're still getting the team-based stuff of community because there's still people around in the gym. And you still got role models as the coach. I think it's great, man. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of chime in a little bit, Alex. So basically, the uh, the program that we started initially was a, a, a team mentorship program. Um, and it was a powerlifting program, which, you know, powerlifting is the three big lifts, the mm. deadlift, the bench press, and the back squat. Um, and we saw that as an opportunity to get, to show kids how to be healthy, number one, uh, number two, give them a little bit of mentorship and yeah. provide a program for kids that may not have the opportunity to participate in a sport due to, um, you know, it costing money or, you know, they hadn't trained in that sport for a while and they're, uh, you know, a sophomore or a junior um, in high school. Do you guys use that same, that same? Not terminology, no, but I'm, I'm following. Well, you know, there's 16, 16, 17 year old um, youth that maybe had, had different interests than sports mm-hmm. or, but yet um, they understand that they need to be healthy and they can't find the, where they should be or what they should do. You know, they don't know what to do when they go to a gym. They know their friends are going to the gym, but they're their friends. They don't know how to um, work out yet. Uh, so we wanted to pre- provide a program that would allow the kids that were into music or arts or um, different types of life skills to participate in something that could build their confidence in a physical way and also build their confidence, um, you know, towards being stronger than the average human, you know, because that's going to carry you into lots of different avenues. Like you said, I mean, if um, you give them a path like that and they don't become a pro athlete, which is very, very few, at least at the bare minimum, they're going to become a person that has discipline through doing hard things they're going to have built something that that on their own that they can own that they have themselves like they built their body they built this um this uh maybe maybe they built knowledge of nutrition how to eat eat properly maybe they've um, built a cardiovascular um conditioning that is gonna help them revisit if they need to in life, or maybe they just stay consistently. And if they become that type of a person with that open-minded mindset towards what health or strength or um, just confidence in that atmosphere, it it just opens up so many different doors of success layers. You know, there's different levels that they're going to be able to achieve because of a program like that. And we're seeing it in real time. Um, next week I have a round table or I'm sorry, December, we have a round table, uh, YouTube event 
set up. I think it's going to be on December 20th on Pit Media. Um, we're going to do a roundtable of five different girls who have graduated. So our town is 7,000 people. So that's not really big, right? Um, generally speaking, 7,000 people in one small town isn't like a giant area. But um, our high school is, is uh, you know, accommodating that with a few hundred students. And over the last three years, we've had five Division One athletes go to five different sports, among many others. But I'm just saying this podcast is going to be, or not podcast, but uh, YouTube segment is going to be about um, these girls have all trained CrossFit throughout their youth. And they so they've all done the same program, Alex. Like they, they're not doing like a bunch of different things. They're coming to our gym from the school that we're at doing the same thing and then they're going to play their sport and they've all went to different sports. And my point is, is that the sports specific piece of this isn't as relevant as people think. Right. So um, you, you have girls like that and you have boys like that blokes, blokes like that. Hey. And, then, and, then, and then I'm picking up, bro. You're teaching me. And then I, uh, and then also from there you have, you know, your military kids. So we've got loads of special forces uh, guys. And then also people who are just, you know, in the military working hard. They don't have to be special forces to be um, proud to be in that world. I'm just saying the typical type of person that comes through here is not just going for that, just, just barely that they're going for the moon, you know? And um, if they miss the moon, like the old, you know, shoot for the moon and the stars. Yeah. Right. So, so, but, but basically the stars would be just a good life, a good life of health, you know, just a good youth where you understand what health is. You understand how to build health, achieve health, um, you know, how to help other people be healthy. You know, that, that knowledge is priceless. Uh, especially at a young age. And that's that's our underlying mission with everything. And the games is just a phenomenal I mean CrossFit is is a is a great company regardless of there's so much, you know, people like to the people. People are always gonna be, people are always gonna bring drama into something else and that just for the for the clicks or for the likes. But <laughs> I can tell you um from being on the inside, we see what going on and it feels really good and looks really good and it's headed in the right direction um so the games platform is a platform where we feel like it's our it's 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 something that we needed to help complete our mission on this whole path of changing the world starting with the health of the youth hmm. I mean, it's the whole thing of how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. But it's all, uh, I think, I don't really believe in top-down approaches. I think you pour a big bucket of water and it trickles down. And the next thing you know, you got one little raindrop at the bottom. It's like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, it's not going to flood anything. So building it from the ground up, in my opinion, uh, has been number one. You know, it's like, well, where's the foundation? Where's the base? You know, we can speak about that with the youth. We can speak about that with nutrition. 
if you want to go to the pyramid, we can speak about the competency of a, a, a GPP program, right? You go back to USSR Olympic athletes. What do they do outside of a cycle of uh, four years of the Olympics? They do GPP. They bear crawl, they run, they throw, they jump, they lift. It's like they do everything. I'm like, oh, so you're you're doing functional movement constantly varied and you're probably going to execute it somewhat relative intensity. You're like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, gen- general physical preparedness is exactly what it says it is. Yeah. You're generally physically prepared for anything that comes up. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's gold. That's mm. gold. If you can learn how to do that uh, and, you, and not only if you can learn how to do that, but once you learn how to do that or once you have an idea, then it's not really that hard to sort of open up the book for other people too, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love the, uh, I love the, oh, sorry, Steph, ladies first. I was just, I was just gonna say I could speak things. I could speak to that because my children got started and how I got interested in CrossFit was we went to a homeschool gym class. So I don't know what homeschooling's like where you live, but in the United States, it's legal and we've homeschooled the entire way. And I waited. We didn't do t-ball, soccer, basketball. We didn't do all that stuff because I was like, I don't know. None of it really fits like what I'm going for. And then someone offered this homeschool gym class and I put my kids in that class. And I remember sitting there, this would be like 2012, and I'm watching. And this was like the era of the tall socks and the, you know, the nanos, the first nanos. And, and I'm watching, I'm thinking, boy, they squat a lot, you know, but I, I just remember thinking it was so genius because they used words like functional fitness. And then the, the coaches would show me like, look at these kids, like think about how much kids squat, you know, in general, in life and everyday life. And, and uh, I would see how these movements would translate to real things. And, and like you were talking about, you know, Brock, having good discipline and good um, ethics, if you will, and all that. And I wasn't looking for that necessarily. But then when I saw it, I was like, this is it. And so you talk about starting from the bottom up. We started at a little homeschool gym class. And again, my son's like games feats were just, you know, one stop on the way. And, and you know, that's just one, you know, piece of that. But that wasn't the end. That was, you know, part of the means to the to the end, which is living a healthy, functional, functional life. And they started that when they were eight or nine years old. That's beautiful, man. That really is. You know, we, we teach life through the medium of fitness. At the end of the day, this is this constant interaction with, with the world around us. You know, we are bound to this kind of meat sack. So we, I think we're going to have to use it. You know, we like to hide behind muddy laptops and internet and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, like, we, we got to move and we learn, or at least a lot of us, and especially if you're blonde like myself, like you learn by doing, right? You learn by tripping up and hurting you, hurting yourself and putting your hand on a hot stove and be like, oh, that was a bit of a dumb idea. Maybe I don't do that again. It's like, yeah, like that's the point. We shouldn't be wrapped in cotton wool, you know, and bubble wrap all the time. It's like, no, no, they can't help themselves. It's like, yeah, they, I, I don't want them to break themselves so they never try anything again. But maybe getting knocked around a little bit isn't so bad. You know, yeah, maybe I, learning how to squat isn't so bad. I love that. And I mean, that's, yeah, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think the, uh, so Steph and I were talking a little bit before we got on here and I was telling her a story of sort of like what I 
a game I used to like to play psychologically with my athletes. Say I have a team of, uh, say, let's say, let's play with you real quick, Alex. So let's say you're on a, you're part of a team. Okay. And there you have nine, um, teammates and we're all going to do a strength conditioning drill. And I explain it and it sounds terrible. It's an anaerobic sprint. that's going to nice. blow you up. Okay. And we're going to go one at a time. All right. And it's a contest. We're going to see who wins. All right. And I explain what it is. And it's say it's, uh, 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 you're familiar with the skier, mm-hmm. right? So say it's a, a 25 calorie skier directly into a 100 yard sled push sprint with 200 pound sled that moves pretty easy that you can run with the whole time, but it's going to hurt by the time the end hits. Okay. And I explained the whole workout. And then I talked to the group and I said, okay, who wants to go first? Um, are you raising your hand? No. <laughs> right. So we try to condition the kids that raising your hand first is the right thing to do. Okay. And I'm not trying to, <laughs> you know, uh, blow you up here or anything, but I mean, I would, I would say no as well. So, but, but my point is like, we would, tr- we try to condition them to the point where, they want to be the one to set the tone. They want to be the one to lead. They want to be the one to put the time up there that everybody has to be because they know that if they do that and they put the time up there and they're done and nobody could touch that time, the satisfaction of that feeling is 10 times the satisfaction of knowing what everybody else got and just barely beating it mm. and, and, and knowing it that low. And it's like, Little things like that slowly build this, um, this sort of like they forge this sort of like steel mindset of that you're capable and that you're able, even, even if you don't win, right. Just going first and knowing that you were, you were strong enough to stand up and and take that challenge on when nobody else was, you know, um, those little things come back later in life and, and um, our tools that you can use and you can pull out. And, and those are the little things that we want to give these, these kids. And that's just obviously one very small example, but the little things that we want to give these kids is those, those tools to be able to battle the demons, so to speak, that they may face. So the adversity that comes up later in life, you know, it's like, well, I've, I've kind of, done some of this stuff or you're, even if you don't feel it on a conscious level on a subconscious level mm-hmm. the comfort and the anxiety levels are going to be a little a little bit more controllable you know if that makes sense i love the i love how you use the term anxiety you know i i think i'll say it at least once a day you know you'll see some folk in the middle of a class and you can tell them the shit in their pants and you're like yeah i would be too like this is gonna suck don't worry about it it's like i want you to deal with that anxiety I think running away from it and uh, reducing it is not is not the way to go about it. We need to be able to manage it, like reducing the the impact of the world on us. Like, no, the world's going to do its thing. It doesn't care about you. You're going to have to manage it. You know, you got to improve our management. So, okay, stress management, anxiety management. What are you going to do? You know, and it was um, the old Aristotle who said adversity exposes you to you. You know, in the middle of the workout, you've done that 25 cows, you're probably halfway through, maybe a couple of meters through the uh, the sled push. What are you going to do? Like you kind of look up and it's it's actually a mirror you're looking at and you, 
staring in your eyes. And you're like, wow, this was a bad idea. You know, I went out too hot. This hurts. I don't like it. Coach is an asshole. I was like, how do I get to the end? I was like, it's a good question. How do you get to the end? And it's just you and you just constantly talking to each other. And I think the younger we can we can teach that to a kid, the better. You know, it's, it's like, similar to the Rich Froning, uh, you know, into the storm with the bull. The, I mean, the uh, buffaloes. You know, it's like, it's like, what are you going to do when the storm comes? Are you going to run and hide underneath that barn with all the other animals? Or are you going to be like the buffalo and walk directly into it, take it on head on, and just let that thing pass? You know, um, it's yeah. I I'm with you. I love it. I love it. For sure, like building resilient human beings you know and then you're going to build a sense of camaraderie of like yeah guys this sucks but you've had a taste of it and everybody's going to get a taste of it too so we're going to pull you through it and you're going to pull us through it you know and at the end of the day on the scoreboard you're like you want to look at something it doesn't matter if you're first or tenth but you're like i tell you what i couldn't have got another second faster you're like that's bloody epic man that feeling right there is gold liquid gold no, it's better than anything. You know, you could chase chase advice all you want, but you're never going to get that feel. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. Satisfaction. You know what I mean? At, at its purest, at its purest, you know, that satisfaction is purest for sure. And if you, yeah, I mean, that is, if you think about that situation that I explained earlier, um, you know, what do you try to do? Steph told me a story earlier about how she was, um, she had her uh, son, her son wanted a fish. And she said, well, you can get fish, but you're going to have to go. There's a phone next to the fish. You're going to call the employee to come down. The employee comes down. You have to tell them what fish you want. And as a young child, that seems overwhelming, you know, like, wait, what? I have to be an adult. And I mean, it's, the, it's, that's the, that's the real life picture of raising your hand first. It's like, sure, it's uncomfortable. Obviously, everybody's scared, right? Everybody's scared. But who's willing to, you know, sprint when the distance is unknown, so to speak? It's like, who's willing to, to say, I'll be first. I'll go, I'll go, you know, I'll go in first. Those, those are the champions of the world. Mm. Where would you want to take this? Um, so I, I love this quote. If, if you have a goal in mind that you can conquer in your lifetime, then your goal is too small. Okay. So, so I don't know where it's going to end up, but where I would like to take it is to a place where someone else can finish uh, or continue, I should say, continue it. Because any good program uh, usually comes to an end when the infrastructure breaks down, the culture breaks down, the leadership isn't quite there anymore, the tradition's not there anymore. Any good program breaks down because of that. And I think the, the real finesse of building a good program is to build it with like the pyramids were built right with a an indestructible foundation that will last through anything and 
if our goal is to actually change the world, and I've said that with less confidence than I say now because of the work that we've done and the success that we've had, every year the confidence goes higher and higher and higher. And I used to have a little, uh, a little uh, um, a statement, I would say, after that, I'd say, well, you know, something kind of like changing the world, you know, you're not maybe not change the world, you know, I'd be, I'd be insecure about that statement, but I'm not anymore um, because I know that the world can be changed if we raise kids to uh, look up to people that are good people that are doing good things for humanity and that are doing uh, mor moral, morally just projects. And um, if we slowly not just teach the kids how to be healthy, but teach the kids how to um, look up to people that are doing good things and teach the kids how to be leaders who are doing that and then continue that process on and on and on and on. Eventually it's just inevitable. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a progressive change of humanity in, in, in a way, you know, maybe it's 50 years that we actually can look at it and go, Oh, wow. Look at this. Is this some, some, maybe nobody will ever notice because it's going to be so subtle and so long of a process, you know, and um, that's okay. Right. It's yeah. okay. But yeah. there has to be a, a passionate um, attempt and a consistent attempt in that direction for it to even be possible, you know? And there's been a lot of people in this world that show us that, you know, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I say this with a little insecurity that nothing's, nothing is impossible, but, you know, there's been some people that have done some really, really, really mind blowing things uh, in the history of this planet. So. Rome I wasn't think, built on a day, but they were no, laying bricks every hour. You're right. You're right. I mean, you have guys like Nims. Have you know who Nims is from Nepal? Uh -huh. Nims died. Yeah. 14 peaks. I mean, that's things like that are just, you know, that, that proves that there's a lot of things that you could accomplish, mm. especially with a big team. But the team, you know, the whole. You know, and I like how you said it, Brock. I mean, like, it doesn't have to be these big, fancy, really sexy things. You know, it's. It's raising a kid who gets out of CrossFit a certain grind and work ethic that then he or she goes and supports their family and, you know, is raising great kids themselves or, you know, um, they go and they're the very best plumber pipe fitter that you've ever seen, which is actually the, the field that my son is going into, you know. Or there, there was just a kid today that dropped into our gym. He's 20 years old. And I said, oh, hi, I've never met you before. And, why, you know, what are you doing? What's your experience here? And he said, well, I'm training to be, uh, I guess they call him journeyman, Alex. But he's the guy that climbs way up high and puts up the electrical wires and the utility <laughs> wires and those things. Yeah. And he's like, I'm here to train so that I can do that. And, um, you know, so it's, it's not always the, it may not be on the podium at, a, at an athletic event. Uh, or things like that, but these are people who are, you just want to see them actually then investing into the next generation as well, and then that just perpetuates, and and so my mind is as, or my 
views are as big as Brock's, you know, and, and as far as changing the whole world for generations to come. But I also think it happens sort of like each, you know, just one person at a time. And I could just sit here and reiterate countless stories of athletes that have come through just in the past four years. Uh, you know, we've had probably a good five, 600 athletes just come through through our competitions that are now just doing amazing things to give back to, you know, to, to lead the world. And, you know, these, I, I, I really mean this, I'm 52 years old in 10 years, these kids right now are going to be making decisions about my retirement, you know, or making decisions about how the world is run. They're going to be running the world in 10 years. And uh, we need to really be mindful to, to help them to do that and then to, to learn from them as well. We don't inherit the world from our parents. We borrow it from our kids, right? And I think if uh, more people spent more time thinking about that, we would intentionally give it, it's like leave the jersey uh, in a better place than you found it, right? That was always the, the, the saying back in the sheds playing rugby was, you know, no one should ever have to clean up after you and leave the jersey in a better place than you found it. Yeah, we shouldn't. Shouldn't it be the same with the world? I think I so. The, I I think the best analogy on this whole talk is the story of the wheat seed. Mm. Are you familiar with the story of wheat, Alex? No, I'm not. Please give me some Midwest education. Well, this actually started in Italy. So. So, um, so the good wheat's overseas. We can't get the good stuff anymore over here because us Americans stole the idea from you and made it more palatable and gave it a shelf life. Oh, nice. Yeah, kind of nice, but not really in the story of the wheat seed. For sure. Okay, so initially this seed was, it grew with roots that went way, way deep in the ground. It, it came up every year, right? Um, well, that it was full of nutrients. It was full. It had, it, it was full of all the good stuff that we want, you know, out of a product, uh, out of, out of like a, um, a grain, you know, it's, it's a, it was a healthy, very healthy grain, but the problem was the shelf life was only a few days. Okay. So it started to mold. Um, and you know, it was very popular very, very popular. But the only problem was, is, you know, you spend all this time growing all this wheat. And then once it was cut and it was turned into a product, if you didn't sell it all immediately and people use it immediately, it, it, it would just go to waste. Um, well then, you know, eventually we decided to come up with a genetically modified version of this. And we took a germ out of the wheat. Well, once we took this specific germ out of the wheat, it allowed us to, um, you know, turn it into flour and make breads that were, uh, had, you know, weeks of shelf life and, uh, these different things. Right. But the problem is, is the, the, uh, the wheat root only goes in the ground a few inches. And then every year you have to tear it all up and plant a brand new seed and then tear it up and plant a brand new seed. Right. Well, the old wheat, how it grew is it grew really deep roots way into the ground and the roots actually grew into each other. It made a network of one large field of wheat and it came up 
and it, I mean, I don't know if it communicated, <laughs> but it, it came up together and it was, it was a, um, a very healthy and sustainable choice. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up in, in, as an analogy is because if you plant one of those good wheat seeds and it goes in the ground, all the nutrients that it pulls, it creates like a five foot by five foot square on one seed that makes the soil rich as rich and moist and all of the bugs are coming in the symbi the symbiotic nature of the of the plant is working with nature and pulling things in and uh, you know promoting great growth around it so like these kids that are coming through this program like we have this little internal thing that we use in the office like that's a wheat seed and that's somebody who was planted and nurtured and they're making the soil around them rich and eventually if we have enough of these wheat seeds all over the world and they're making the soil around them rich everywhere from new zealand to america that's when you start feeling the value of of a project along the lines of this start linking together and doing some cool stuff Hmm. I got a question for you both. What are the three words you would tell your younger self? You want me to start? <laughs> start whatever, bro. Okay. So three words. Words? <laughs> uh well. I mean, I mean, a, a word that I hold really close is ownership. Um, understand, I mean, I'd say understand how to utilize ownership, right? Yeah. Ownership is, is, is a huge part of life. And um, I think if you understand what ownership means, how do you, you eliminate a lot of unnecessary arguments and conversations and, um, all the above. So, uh, I'd say understand ownership, love, know how to love, and uh, ownership, love, and humility. Steph? Yeah, Brett kind of stole mine, but no. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Uh, ownership's obviously one of them, and then humility also, because without humility, you really got nothing. That and that encompasses a lot. And then this idea of serving or giving, which are synonyms, you know. But serve, just give, just give, give till it hurts. Give, and you always, you always reap it back it, in one way or another. So just give sacrificially. I think I would just say so. Yeah, humility, ownership, and serve, serve slash give. Guys, I love and how it. about you, Alex? How about you, Alex? Me, three words. Do your thing. Oh, mine is leave no doubt. Then leave no doubt. If we're doing it that way, it's leave no doubt. Yeah. When in doubt, leave no doubt. 
we all got we all got journeys to get to the spot we're in, right? And um, it's funny thinking back. I think we got to think back and understand so you can a lot of the time just provide some empathy to yourself and be like, you know what, shit happens, man. Like we're, we've all done this, we've all done that. No problem. We are in the spot that we're in now. Take ownership of it. Where are we going? You got you're at a T junction, left or right. You just gotta do your thing. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Alex. Have a great day, man. You I'll too, man. We get over there to check out the uh the big trader. What do they I call get, that? Get over. What do they call that? You mean Mount Doom? They only call it like something else. Like, is it known for the like the big trader, the whole the what's that? What is that thing? Oh, you know what I'm talking know. about? You're not from New Zealand. I might know more about it than you. Well, you you will do, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm northern. Um, yeah, man, no. show up. I will one day. I'll show you around, or maybe you'll cool. show me around. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have to make it out of the Midwest. Yeah, I was gonna say the feeling is mutual. Uh, out here, we have a spot free to stay. We have uh, we have a lot of fun stuff, man. Lots of land to do torturous events on. You know, kids to make you time. feel like a like a um, just an absolute you know non fit human. <laughs> they, uh, so so all that's around here for us to keep us humble, right? <laughs> I get that daily in the noon class, man. I'll jump in with the with the crew and I'm like, oh, I, I got to start doing some fitness because uh, I'm getting my ass kicked. But 100%, I'll, uh, I'm going to try and make it to the games next year. Awesome. Um, if you do, make sure you look us up. Yeah, around that time, I want to do some uh, a bit of traveling around the States. It's a big place, obviously. Um, yeah. See, see, see what it's like. Dine with the people. Meet the folks, you know. Talk some shit, do like some it. fitness. I think you'd have a great time, man. I'm in. The game's going to be, it's going to be epic here for the games at the new venue. I'm in. Count me in, boss. Awesome. All right. Stay long enough, you can come to our event, too. Of course. You can send me dates. All right. Sounds All right. good. Take it easy, too. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye, everybody.